lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre is here with me, as is Todd Erzin. If you'd like to join us today, 800-988-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the show. That's D-E-A-C-E. Try liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash stevedace. You can also follow us on Twitter at stevedace show if you're looking for clips of this show that you can share and sample with others go to youtube.com slash steve dace and the last name is d-e-a-c-e d-e-a-c-e coming up at the bottom of the hour we're going to talk to a good friend of mine who is a, a pastor at one of the more culturally influential churches here in our state who last sunday chose not to shut down and held services nevertheless He's going to explain to us why he did that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, a a unique edition of Fake News or Not. Last week, we told you about the Stanford epidemiologist, John Ioannidis, who wrote the piece for Stats News, questioning a lot of the data that we are using to essentially risk a great depression over a virus that the more we learn about it, the less lethal it becomes. Yesterday, New York City, while becoming the worst place in America for this by far, and it's not even close. Also, the current death rate of of coronavirus in New York City amongst those affected is 0.75%. 0.75%. And yet we're shutting an entire country and risking Great Depression and, and cataclysms on the other end of this we haven't even begin to, begun to fathom. And he started questioning that data. Well, now he has written a peer-reviewed paper to further flesh that out. And we're going to be talking about that during Fake News or Not coming up next hour. And then a different kind of edition of Pop Culture Tuesday as well. We're going to look at sports cancellations. One that I think is prudent. That's the Olympics and why. And then what happens if you take this into the fall? What are the law of, what's the law of unintended consequences if you go there? And we're going to talk about that coming up for Pop Culture Tuesday at the end of the program in our final segment. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the tide turning, maybe. President Trump is starting to be more vocal in his support for reopening the American economy. He had yet another coronavirus task force update yesterday. We're going to open up our country and it's going to be fairly soon. Weeks or months? Uh... I'm not looking. I'm not looking at months. I can tell you right now, we're going to be opening up our country, and uh, we're going to be watching certain areas, and we're going to be practicing everything that uh, Deborah's referring to right here. We're going to be watching this very closely, but uh, you can't keep it closed for the next, uh, you know, for years. Okay, this is going away. We're we're going to win the battle, but we also have. you know, you have tremendous responsibility. We have jobs. We have uh, people get tremendous anxiety and depression. And uh, you have suicides over things like this. When you have terrible economies, you have death. Uh, probably, and I mean definitely, would be in far greater numbers than the numbers that we're talking about with regard to the virus. Meanwhile, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo seems to be changing his tune as well. I 
take total responsibility for shutting off the economy in terms of essential workers. But we also have to start to plan the pivot back to uh, economic functionality, right? You can't stop the economy uh, forever. So we have to start to think about, does everyone stay out of work? Should young people go back to work sooner? Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick caught flack for these comments. No one reached out to me and said, uh, as a senior citizen, uh, are you willing to take a chance on your survival in exchange for keeping the America that all America loves for your children and grandchildren? And if that's the exchange, I'm all in. Um, and that doesn't make me noble or brave or anything like that. I just think there are lots of grandparents out there in this country, like me, I have six grandchildren, that what we all care about and what we love more than anything are those children. And I want to you know, live smart and, uh, and, and see through this, but I don't want the whole country to be sacrificed. Uh, and, I, and that's what I see. I've talked to hundreds of people, Tucker, in just in the last week. And uh, making calls all the time. And, and everyone says pretty much the same thing, that we can't lose our whole country. We, we're having an economic collapse. I'm also a small businessman. I understand it. And I talk with business people all the time, Tucker. And, and I'm so, my, I'm just, my heart is lifted tonight by what I heard the president say, because we can do more than you know, one thing at a time. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis explained why he hasn't issued a shelter-in-place warning for his state. And I think given our circumstances, that that would not be advisable. Um, It would be a very blunt instrument. Uh, When you're ordering people to shelter in place, you are consigning a number, probably hundreds of thousands of Floridians to lose their jobs. Um, You're throwing their lives into a potential disarray. And if that were something that were necessary statewide because the health comes first, you know, that would be one thing. But if you look at Florida's situation right now, this is not a virus that's impacting every corner of the state. We have 20 counties that have zero cases at all. And we have about 25 counties that really have only a few cases. Meanwhile, on MSNBC. But here's the thing. It's not a question of uh, if the economic shutdown is absolutely brutal for Americans, for our fellow citizens, for our economy. Of course it is. It's just that those on the right in the business world talking to Donald Trump are just misreading what the choices are right now. There is no option to just let everyone go back out and go back to normal if a pandemic rages across the country and infects 50% of the population and kills a percentage point at the low end of those infected and also melts down all the hospitals. The Senate yesterday failed once again to pass a spending bill aimed at alleviating the fallout from the Wuhan coronavirus economically. This came after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi introduced her own 1,400-page bill, which included provisions for, but was not limited to, tax credits for wind turbines, a $15 minimum wage, mandating carbon emissions are cut by 50% by 2050, elimination of debt by the U.S. Postal Service, millions of dollars for the 
JFK Center for the Performing Arts, partial student debt forgiveness, discounted cell phones for low-income earners, and the list goes on. President Trump tweets, This is not about the ridiculous Green New Deal. It's about putting our great workers and companies back to work. So far in America, over 46,000 people have tested positive for the Wuhan coronavirus with 593 deaths. The mortality rate of those who've tested positive works out to about 1.28%. New York, meanwhile, is leading the nation in testing, having performed nearly 80,000 tests. Their mortality rate amongst those who have tested positive is sitting at about 0.72%. The Summer Olympics are the latest event to be postponed. Japan's Prime Minister, along with the International Olympic Committee, have said the Olympics will be held by the summer of 2021 at the latest. And finally, Generation Z has way too much time on their hands during the coronavirus shutdown. And that's what happened while we were away. I want to begin today with the comments from Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick that he mentioned on Tucker Carlson's show last night, which Aaron just put in the montage. And I've met Dan once uh, briefly. We were actually assigned to a spin room together uh, for the Cruz campaign uh, in the, uh, I think that was the Colorado debate that went out in Boulder. Don't really know him very well, though. But it, um, it goes along with this email I received this morning from... Just a, just a dude, man. Just a salt of the earth American named Marty Pales, who also happens to be from the state of Texas, from Plano, Texas. And he wrote to me this morning, he says, hey, as a grandfather of five, I, I would be willing to risk coronavirus infection to give my grandkids a future in America. I'm in my 70s, pretty much lived my life. My kids and grandkids haven't yet. And I haven't responded yet to Marty personally because I want to respond to him in front of the rest of you. Because I know there is others of you. There are scores of you probably who love your country, who understand what the phrase, no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Understand what that means in an eternal standpoint. Understand what that means In a temporal standpoint, when either you or someone you loved or you know signed up to potentially give their life in a uniform for their fellow American. Marty and others like you, God bless you. But I'm going to ask you to set your chivalry aside for a moment. And do something else instead. Because if you scour the landscape of this culture right now, I think about the last thing we need is those of you with the spirit that you have, Marty, laying yourselves down. No, we need you to rise up and fight. Because if I have noticed something here, and I I warned you yesterday this was going to happen when the president went there. Did I not say this yesterday, men? What will now happen now that the president has opened the door to sanity with just that tweet? And that was before he had the briefing with the country that he had yesterday, when frankly, he was phenomenal. 
I told you yesterday when the president opened the door to sanity, all of the forces at work here would become extra hysterical. That clip from Chris Hayes on MSNBC, that's, that's not bias. That man opened his mouth and the pit of hell came out. Literally doctrines of demons came out. And there's a lot of talk right now about, you know, unity, pro-life. What do these terms mean? We got a couple days still till Theology Thursday, but I'm going to extend it here for the next few minutes if you don't mind. I'm going to give you some Theology Thursday right now. Rise up, O men of Israel. Go into Canaan. Leave nothing to chance. Every vestige of this wretched paganism, erase it from the earth. Leave no record of its previous existence. Look up, for your salvation is nigh. And I saw, I saw Christ returning with a sword in his mouth and a robe dipped in blood, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he cast the enemy and all of his minions into the lake of fire. There's your theology Thursday. Take your sentimentality. Those of you with your moral preening, I have greatly resisted these last few years, specifically calling out a lot of people wearing my own jersey. I I did it for a long time, and I wasn't always right, frankly. Caused a lot of collateral damage, so I've kind of gone the other way. Todd and Aaron will tell you there's been plenty of times they've wanted to do it. I've asked them not to. Just to focus on what we do. But I like Eric Erickson. He's endorsed several of my books. Been on this show, I can't tell you how many times. I specifically booked him to MC a U.S. Senate debate in a Republican primary in my own state several years ago. But for him to tweet out this morning to all of his followers, it's not pro-life to sacrifice your grandparents for your 401k, is absolutely terrible demagoguery that the Eric Erickson I've dealt with for years is above that. This is a time for the people of God not to lose their minds, but to see with eyes of faith. What is happening here? You want me to tell you what I really think is happening? Because I've held a little bit of it back, but I'll tell you today. What's happening here is a cultural Pearl Harbor. What is happening here is every pagan, leftist, statist, monstrosity and spirit of the age that's been at work in this country for well over a generation has glommed on to a vicious virus because they see it as an opportunity to deliver a kill shot to America. That's what is happening here. This is not a time to beat your swords into plowshares, but this is the time when Jesus hands his disciples a sword and sends them out. This is a time to fight. We are freaking America.
We saved this world last century from two tyrants at the same time. It couldn't defeat Japan and it couldn't defeat Germany. We beat them both at the same time with most of this world in captivity. Where it would still be if it was not for us. We sent a man to the moon. We ended communism until we rebirthed it on our own shores. Almost every great innovation in human history in the last 200 years happened because of us. Next to the church, without this country, the world would be a much darker place for next to the church. No institution known to man has been more a force for light than this country has been. And that's with all of its faults and all the mistakes that it's made. Why? Because it's the only country, as Chesterton said, that was founded on a creed. The idea that there is a God, our rights come from him. And the government that works best is the government that protects and defends those God-given rights for the people, by the people, and of the people. Not of the preening media, the sanctimonious experts, or the ballless wonders infesting Twitter and Facebook as we speak. To quote the Lord Almighty himself, gird your loins like a man. Understand what is at stake. And you may not like him, and you may not have voted for him. I didn't the last time. But there is literally one human being right now in America who has any real power, who's listening to you. And it's the President of the United States. Chip Roy is one of my best friends. I love him dearly. He has no power. He'll tell you that. He's a backbencher in Congress trying to hold back from the back row the forces at work here. Ted Cruz has no power. He's not the Senate Majority Leader or Minority Leader or in any Senate leadership position whatsoever. Name somebody else. Mike Lee. Anybody else you like. There is one human being I can see right now with any real power that can make things happen right now who has shown he is willing to listen to the people. And that was the President of the United States yesterday. You better have his back. And you can save all, all your concerns about what happened three years ago, four years ago, or a marriage 20 years ago. None of that's relevant right now. What's relevant right now is, be, is everything that has cursed us as a people for a generation. All the fear, all the hysteria, all the bias, all the paganism, all of it. It's all coming home to roost. It's converging right now. Some people are fine with destroying our way of life because they hate it. Others are just buying into the hysteria. You want some hysteria? Here's your hysteria. As at the time we went on the air, point zero zero zero. that's three zeros, one, four, six of Americans have tested positive for coronavirus. Point zero 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 one four six. You just heard the governor of Florida, second largest elderly population in America and he's got 20 counties that don't even have one case and his people why aren't you shutting us down I don't know 
Because I'm not dumb? Right now, point zero 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 five zeros one six three of Americans have perished because of coronavirus. But yes, by all means, let's let's risk a great depression where you will see sue. You want a pro life? You want to show me your pro life credentials? Let me give you some. You destroy a people's way of life with a great depression, and you'll see suicide rates. Skyrocket. Divorces, skyrocket. Family dysfunction, skyrocket. Abortions, skyrocket. All kinds of people will make decisions like, can't afford that mouth to feed. How about medical treatments and ailments? Not there. Sorry, we we couldn't treat that lump in your breast. We discovered it too late. You lost your health insurance, didn't come in and get it checked a year ago, and it's too late. Say your goodbyes. I'm sorry, that cancer metastasized. If only you had detected it, you know, with your annual, when it was just an ovarian cyst. But alas, say your goodbyes. Well, I'm sorry your root canal turned out terrible and now your tooth, several of your teeth, in fact, are completely in abscess. But your dentist is closed for three weeks, a month, two months, three months. I wish there was something we could do to relieve the pain, but now you're addicted to opioids. Get a grip, America. Get a grip. We're the city on a hill here. Act like it. Surely there must be a way to defend the Marty Pales of the world without destroying our way of life. Somehow we managed to occupy Iraq and Afghanistan into perpetuity. But America kept going. Everybody who's ever believed you never let a good crisis go to waste is making sure they do not waste this one. It is the ultimate one. And it's perfect. It's perfect for the enemy. It's right out of the pit of hell. No certain data, all chaos. We're not really sure. We're just making it up as we go along. Nefarious laughs. Right now, there's one person with any power right now who seems willing to wield it in the way God intended for all of his thoughts, for all of his faults. But if what I saw up there yesterday, I, I wanted to see this for five years when I first entertained the notion that I could ever, ever align with such a person way back in those Iowa caucuses. I wondered, could God, the Nebuchadnezzar argument, not real convincing to me because he was terrible. And the argument, well, God works through flawed people. It's, 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 it's a specious argument. We're all flawed. We're, we've all sinned. And so therefore, God, God could only work through flawed people. That argument's irrelevant to me. What I wanted to see, though, was could he be a Samson? Could he be somebody that, yeah, you wish you didn't have certain proclivities in the red light district, but when you needed him the most said, Lord, on my last breath, let me plunge the fish demon Dagon down face first into the dirt and take these pillars of this wretched temple with me. 
And what I saw yesterday was really for the first time, maybe it was there before, but it was the first time I saw it. I saw that kind of resolve. I saw that. I saw a Churchillian level of resolve. And that's coming from somebody that the last five years has probably called him every name in the book. And most of them are probably true. But he's listening. And right now, all of the forces at work to end your way of life are going to do everything they can to drown him out. Are going to do everything they can to convince him he can't do this. Nobody's talking about, hey, let's have, a, let's have an NBA game with 30,000 people in an arena tomorrow. Anybody ever said that? Nobody's talking about being stupid. Except the people who say, just stay shut down forever. End your way of life. Don't consider the collateral damage to it. And we can't tell you when it's going to end. We can't tell you what victory looks like. Have we not in this country, how many of our best and brightest since 9-11 have died because of that kind of expertise. We can't tell you what a win is in Iraq. We can't tell you what a win is in Afghanistan. Only what is a loss. What was the human capital of that? How many fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, inventors, healers, expositors, how many, how, what was the cost of what we sacrificed for peoples and countries and civilizations that hate us. Only because we were afraid to be the people we have been called to be. Well, this is your last chance, probably. You blow this, you'll be shocked at how fast socialism will sweep the country. Because the only thing left will be government. It'll be the only hope anybody has. Like I said last week, it'll be pointless for Bernie Sanders to stay in the race. He won. He won. You cannot tell me we can go halfway across the planet 10 years ago to find the cow that started mad cow disease, but we cannot protect our elderly without mortally wounding ourselves. Think, people. Think. And pray even harder. But choose that brain God gave you. And you better rise up and you better let that president hear your voice. And you better drown out the preeners and the virtue signalers who will gladly virtue signal their way on social media to death. While the spirit of the age plants its flag over what used to be the American flag. And you better understand what's at stake. This is a pass-fail exercise. We're not getting graded on any kind of curve here. There's no curve to flatten here. You will win or you will lose. And these coming days, this week right here, are going to dictate which way this goes. Do not let it be said. Do not let it be said you were quiet. You were silent. You didn't say anything. You were afraid. Well, what will Aunt Petunia put on my Facebook page? I might get banned. I don't want to risk my career. Twitter might ban me. You were silent when they put gender insanity on you. You were silent when they put taxpayer-funded abortion on you. 
all for the same concerns now at the moment that matters the most when this all comes to a head all the forces that gave us all of that garbage have all amassed now Abaddon is unsealed now will you now finally finally say one word that's all I'm asking you one one word No. 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 My answer is going to be to your to your tempting offer of we slit your throat or you slit it for us. I, I'm my answer to that tempting offer, boy, boy, as tempting as that one is, my answer is going to have to be no. That is the offer on the table. This is a binary choice. It is. It is a yes or no question. Now, how this process comes about will require a lot of distinctions and a lot of incrementalism. But the ultimate question here at stake is yes or no or pass or fail and there is no in between more in a moment a couple of other breaking items I want to address here really quick because they go in line with the kinds of questions we've been asking on this show really since this story began to become its own pandemic, uh, which you saw uh, Debbie Burks say yesterday at the, the White House uh, briefing on coronavirus. Uh, she admitted yesterday that the virus has likely been here for, uh, for weeks. That's the question we've been asking all along. I mean, how can you flatten a curve if you don't know when the curve began? And, and if it's been here for weeks, we haven't been testing for it for weeks. So that begs a further question. How many people were just, like we mentioned, uh, the buddy of mine who's, who's uh, a doctor in a state with a high elderly population who told me yesterday, hey, you know, we had this woman come off a cruise ship a, a month ago and we couldn't, you know, get her off the ventilator. And so we, I, he, we had just di- we, we diagnosed her with pneumonia acute RSV. Now, we, now that we can test for COVID-19, and she's about ready to leave the hospital, now that we can test for COVID-19, guess what she tested positive for? COVID-19, but we didn't know what it was. Well, think that's an isolated case in just one hospital in America? Probably not. And now you've got Governor Andrew Cuomo saying, uh, you were just telling me, Todd, yeah. that it was a mistake to send the college kids home the very f- so they can go home and infect their parents. What was the first common sense question we asked about this? One of the first universities in the country to do this, actually, was Grinnell College here in Iowa. And I said it. Didn't we say on the show that very day, if if you're worried about asymptomatic spread from the young to the old, why would you send the young home to be? Are they around their grandparents more? Are they going to be right. more likely to be around their grandparents at home or on a college campus? Did that ever make any sense at all? No, no. It, and and be, we we made all these moves without taking a breath and asking any questions at all. And in the and 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 then we just let's just shut our entire way of life down and risk a zombie economy at the end that makes us just completely vulnerable globally. 
before we know for sure what we're dealing with. And now, now that we're in the middle of the mess, now some of these questions are finally getting asked. Finally. And this was our point yesterday about how the same elitist contagion exists in rural Iowa as in other places uh, uh, amongst medical professionals. Here, the before the, the games were canceled, the colleges were th This was the starting point yeah. of the fire that led to everybody having to get in line and make sure they were virtue signaling appropriately. Uh, and here now, on this day, after the statement Steve made, Cuomo the Democrat governor of New York State is telling you the way we've been doing it from the beginning has been wrong. So here's another reality check. If you ever thought there was the right time to take control of your health, now is it. And the number one New Year's resolution people make is to eat right, eat better, lose weight. And you get that resolve going for a while, but then dieting alone is hard. Working out is great. All right, I've got a bunch of modified workouts I'm doing at home right now with my gym closed. Um, but you really get greater health benefits of working out than just pure weight loss because you cannot out-train a bad diet. All right, so you've got to get how much you're eating under control, even more than what you're eating. And that's where Riduzone comes in. It is the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA, and that's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster, burns stored fat, while reducing your calorie intake at the exact same time. And if you want to take advantage of my name right now, go to Riduzone.com. That's the only website that you can get, Ridu only place you can get Riduzone is on the website. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for Riduzone.com. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code. Get up to 65% off plus free shipping. That's a tremendous deal, all right? Especially right now, we're idle, we're at home, we're thinking all the time, we're bored. We eat when we're bored, right? Riduzone.com, promo code Steve, 65% off free shipping as well. Let's go to a good friend of mine. Uh, his name is uh, Kerry Gordon. He pastors uh, a church of some significance in Northwest Iowa, uh, that has been as influential culturally in, in, in a lot of the, the things I've been a part of uh, in our state uh, over the last 10 plus years as, as any other ministry has been. And Kerry, it's good to have you back on the show, brother. How are you? I'm doing great, Steve. Thank you for having me. You made the decision, you bet, brother. You, you made the decision last weekend to keep your services open despite yeah. the recommendation that churches across America, that unless you can keep it to basically under 10 people, shutter their doors and, and just go online. Can you tell us why you made that decision? Well, there's several reasons. The first is that uh, we have medical people in our church and smart people. And I was looking at, at that time when this first started happening, we didn't have more than one or two confirmed cases of this disease in the entire state. And um, it didn't seem from a self-governed position intelligent, first of all, from a theological perspective as a church, when our nation has a sweeping virus that threatens lives coming across the ocean to kill people, we don't need to run from church, we need to run to church, first of all. Then of course there's the issue of the Bill of Rights. Does the government, where, where in the Bill of Rights, where in the Constitution, does any governor or president or mayor or police chief have the authority to set aside the Bill of Rights itself and go outside the law? So I had a problem with it fundamentally because the governor of the state of Iowa didn't just highly recommend that we close churches. She eventually came out and commanded it, 
And I read a memo from the state to the local police department in Sioux City. And they were told that they had the powers to arrest people over this. So um, we've got legal problems here. We've got constitutional problems. Everyone in panic and fear is just surrendering the Constitution. And the irony is we have a lot of people saying we, we, we've got to teach people as Christians that we are obedient and we obey the law. And I agree with that. But how do you teach that and at the same time enable, defend, and encourage elected officials to disobey the law? Hmm. So if, you're, if we're going to talk about not being criminals and the importance of being honorable people, then we have to not only uh, hold a local thug accountable who wants to rob a gas station. We also have to realize that arguably it's more serious when the people who have authority and guns violate the law than it is when your local thug robs your gas station. So what we've got going on here is sort of a myopic view of people staring at their feet because they're afraid and emotional. But emotions and good intentions or, hey, we've got to protect people from germs. None of that is what holds our nation together. In fact, it is during times like this when people are the most afraid and the most concerned when you most desperately need the rule of law to keep everybody in line. Mm. You can't begin an, a pandemic with all the executives in our states flagrantly disobeying the laws of our land by demanding the closure of religious institutions, which they're specifically forbidden from doing in the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. So we had to bridge a gap. I can keep my congregation safe. I'm good at it. I've been doing it a long time. This is my 25th year of ministry. My church is approaching its 40th year in existence. I can't think of one time in our entire existence when we didn't know what to do and we had to sit waiting with bated breath for the governor or for some city councilman to come tell us what we must do. We've been able to survive quite fine without them for 2,000 years, frankly. So, you know, how do I keep my congregation safe and honor the law of God? I think when we're in trouble, we need to go together, make sure we're obeying God, repent for the things we haven't obeyed in, and ask for God's mercy for our country. But what's happening is, right in the middle of a pandemic, when people most need to hear the gospel preached and to repent of their sins and ask God for his mercy for our country, we have executives overstepping their limits of authority and commanding churches not to meet. Then you have the reductionism that goes on after that. The reductionism is this. They say, well, you're not being denied your freedom to speak because you can always go on Facebook. Right. So there's no shadow banning or censoring of people who preach Orthodox <laughs> Christianity. Right. Forget all of that. We're, we're, still, we're still free to go on Facebook, so we don't need our churches. Well, here's the problem with that from a legal standpoint, even an intellectual standpoint. The First Amendment to the Constitution specifically is based upon an idea called property rights. When it says that we are not to be, our rights to, to assemble for religious purposes, it is implying, and you should infer, that in order for you to assemble, you have to be standing on geography. So as soon as you intellectually separate the idea of free speech and turn it into a virtual world of digital talking on a you know microphone like this, and you separate that legally or intellectually from the reality of 
dirt that I have a right to stand on a piece of dirt right. on this planet right. and say, this is mine. This is mine. And I get to talk when I stand here. As soon as you separate property rights from the First Amendment, you're really blowing up the First Amendment because right. the First Amendment was written to keep free speech tethered to physical land. And governors can't do this. They're not allowed to do this. But we're surrendering and allowing judicial overreach and executive overreach now. That doesn't mean, I mean, I read through your announcement to your church. That is That doesn't mean you took like no precautions. People are saying this to me uh -huh. in the last week and a half. Well, you're telling people, I mean, we did all that. We've gone through two rounds of sanitizing. Our kids haven't seen, been with their grandparents in well over a week. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my kids are taking last set of Krypton levels of vitamin C and D as, as we speak right now. Right. Okay. We bought a month's worth of groceries two weeks ago, I, knowing this was going, anticipating we'd end up getting here with all the panic just to be prepared. All right. So nothing could be further from the truth there, but, the, but there's, there's the public policy and then there is the pandemic all right and yeah. and so you have taken precautions with your congregation can you just share those with our audience before i get all the emails about how you just tried to kill yeah, off yeah, all yeah. your elders okay so like yeah right so we want to kill off all of our church because that's going to be good for our church right so the first thing that i did before we were ordered illegally and unconstitutionally and told what we must do when it was more like hey we're concerned we should start doing things you know within about two hours i spent about $1,400 in adding all kinds of equipment to our facilities at our church, uh, which means the exact same things that you find in a NIC unit, the same things you find in a hospital, only better, um, where you go and cleanse your hands of this alcohol substance that kills germs. Uh, we were adding stainless steel brackets to our doors so that when you exit the men's restroom or the women's restroom, you don't have to physically touch the door handle with your hands. Now, that's wiser and cleaner than any of the local hospitals where I live. You have to put your hand. I've always found this fascinating. I go to a hospital to visit all the time because I'm a minister. I, I visit the sick and the dying. And I, I have to use the restroom. And I think, this is crazy. This, these are supposed to be experts on germs. I can't get out of any bathrooms in our local hospitals without touching the handle of a doorknob. Well, at my church, you can. So we purchased all this extra stuff to take measures to make sure people were protected. We immediately communicated with our congregation and said, look, it looks like the people that are really the most vulnerable are people that have pre-existing conditions or people who are 65 years and over. If you're 65 and over and you have pre-existing conditions, I'm going to ask you to self-quarantine and don't come to church. We love you. We want to keep you safe. And those were the measures we were taking on our own long before anyone said we had to do anything. And that's called, ladies and gentlemen, self-government. And so then when the governor came in and announced that we absolutely will not be having church, and I realized, and I spoke with attorneys, I'm not making this up, I had attorneys tell me, you could be arrested based on exactly what the state has communicated with all the law enforcement across the state. You can be arrested for going to church now. You're a criminal if you go to church. And I stood on constitutional grounds and said, I'm not going to tolerate this. So we informed the governor. I called her office immediately. I was upset about it. It's recorded. And uh, I shared it because I figured they'll never call me back. And they didn't. Um, I don't know of any Christian legal organization in the state of Iowa that's advocating that the governor retract her statement and obey the Constitution. Meanwhile, the Democrat, hard left liberal governor of Michigan, 
came out last Saturday, I believe, and said, uh, they asked her, well, why didn't you include churches in your ban on gatherings over 10 persons? She said, because I don't have the constitutional authority to close a church. Yeah, I saw that. And the yeah. governor of Texas said something very similar. Mm -hmm. Governors don't have the right to infringe upon the assembly of people to, you know, for religious purposes. But this does not presuppose that people that assemble for religious purposes are all too stupid to know what to do to protect themselves. It's good to have you back on our show, my friend. I, I don't have any other questions to, to ask you. But you answered everything I was going to ask you in just those two answers like I knew that you would. It's good to see you, brother. Take care. God bless. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. You have any thoughts, gentlemen, on uh, what we just heard from... Pastor Kerry Gordon, when we had this conversation amongst ourselves on Friday, right, during the day group. Well, that following on the heels of what you said, I, people for a long time have been coming to terms with the fact that they've been basically living in the Truman Show. And now that is really being uh, crystallized. The, you are just being told to live in the bubble and be there for purposes that have nothing to do with the fact that you were, live, that you were created in God's image with a purpose no just play your role live in the bubble let the smart people play puppet master with your lives and that's why steve's call to know is so important that's not why you were created wisdom in a multitude of counsel and yet you are told you hate old people the second any multitude of counsel steps forward while the economy is about to go into a level of depression that is one of the singular stories taught to us in American history books about the brokenness of one of the greatest civilizations ever created in the history of mankind. Fall for none of it. Be your own man. Be your own woman under the guidance and wisdom of a loving God and refuse, simply refuse to be anybody's puppet yeah and, and bella and i were talking about my wife bella and i uh we're talking about the who's a nurse here at a who, hospital who is a nurse yeah. yeah we're talking about the the flip side of this she understands at uh at, at, at a, a rational level or an intellectual level why why there is this um proclivity to close down large events and things like that because people in mass in our country lack the ability, personal responsibility, the ability to govern themselves. They lack that. And so they will not. <laughs> a lot of people will not take the precautions. What what we just heard from was a demonstration of self-government. And it takes strong leadership, it takes strong leadership in order to set that right example, which Pastor Gordon just articulated uh, here in the last few minutes. We are loaded for bear. With fake news or not here coming up at the top of the next hour. Make sure you're here for it. Stick around. Back with more in just a few here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. And we are back here with hour number two here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. I'm Steve Dace. I'm already getting a slew of emails. People want to know. Hey, are we going to put out a clip that we can share with my opening monologue uh, of the show today? My, my attempt, frankly, to give 
um, our fellow Americans at Pep Talk, you bet we are. We're going to share that. As uh, soon as possible. As soon as we possibly can. We just got a rest of a show here we had to produce in real time. And normally, we've got like a battalion of staff at The Blaze and a massive movie studio um, down there in Irving, Texas that has all this state-of-the-art equipment. But like a lot of other businesses right now, we're operating on kind of a skeleton crew. But So things are going a little bit slower. That's why some of the shows are uploading a little bit slower as well. But yes, um, we will be sharing that with you a little later on and and asking you to share it with uh, all of your social media too. So thank you. And if you do listen to us via podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review. We've all got some free time here right now. So if you haven't left this one yet, please consider finally uh, checking that box and doing that on our behalf. The more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. And the more the show grows, the more we get to keep doing this show. Okay. Uh, fake news or not brought to you by our friends over at Brickhouse Nutrition with all the talk about coronavirus people have stopped talking about the flu which has killed 16,000 people so far this year hospitalized over a quarter of a million Americans and the season isn't really even over yet one of the best ways to avoid getting sick is with a healthy immune system which is why you should fortify your body every day with Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition it's the only way I can get my son Noah to, to, to drink, in this case, his vegetables, all right? One scoop and a full, you get a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables, which give you the nutrients that help you support a healthy immune system, all right? Whether it's those prebiotics, probiotics. Well, Steve, that's digestive. Why does that matter? One of the largest immunity systems in the body is in, is in the digestive system, in the gut, Right. Aaron will tell you that as a celiac. I mean, if he eats the wrong stuff, his entire body chemistry is thrown off, right? Yep. So one of the largest immunity systems in the body is in the gut, all right? And so that's where those are important, as well as things you've already heard about, the fiber, the vitamins, et cetera, the nutrients, et cetera. You'll get all of that. Just take a scoop, mix it in any water-based drink. Um, Noah mixes it in with his tea in the morning and absolutely loves it. And right now you can save 15% off your first order with the offer code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. That's BrickHouseSteve.com. Offer code Steve to get 15% off. Now, uh, if you end up subscribing, meaning you get this shipped to you every single month because you like it so much, if you do that right now with my name as a promo code, they'll give you 10% off of that as well. All right, so offer code Steve gives you 10% off if you want to be a reoccurring customer or if you just want to give it a shot, your first order for 15% off, BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. All right, for fake news or not, we're going to look at two separate items. One of them is just... Um, emerged and and I can't let any more time in this show elapse. I think don't you agree? Given this information from oh, yeah. Sean Davis at the Federalist, yeah. we we can't let any more time in this show elapse without sharing this with you. Okay, and then Todd, I gave you the assignment yesterday of reading the full white paper yes. from Dr. John Ioannidis. He's the epidemiologist at Stanford University. They, they know anything about medicine at Stanford? They have any? They have like a, a, a med school anybody's heard of there, or they do anything that I hear of any they, renown? I hear as of recently they hate old people. Yes, they well they have the new institute uh, institute for the hatred of the elderly. Yes. Apparently, he is the dean of that. There, otherwise they are within the margin of error. Yes, so Stanford in our country is about as expert as it gets, man. When it comes to elite education. John Ioannidis, Dr. John Ioannidis, he's an epidemiologist there. He wrote a piece in Stats News last week, which really questioned why we were making some of these draconian decisions with, with the limited data that we have. 
Um, and now you're seeing things like Dr. Burks say yesterday, the, they, the virus actually has been here for weeks. They don't know when it, you know, how long it's been here. You saw, you saw Andrew Cuomo say earlier today that it was a terrible idea to send all the college kids home. Because if you're worried, it never made any sense to me. If you're worried about asymptomatic spread, then why send all the asymptomatic to be closer to the people that they can give the virus to? That never made any sense. The governor of New York today said that, yeah, that we should have never done that. Okay. And regarding this paper, he asked me to edit. As I pointed out to you when I gave you my edited version, what's remarkable about it is it's it's not like a bunch of dots that he's connecting some really deep egg-headed dot. the casualness right. with which he asserts he that wants this, the average person oh, to yes, read this this is that this, this is peer-reviewed yes. what, what he, he wrote a peer-reviewed piece yes. for stanford university on this he this is peer-reviewed so it's it's normally for the highfalutin right. academic, but it's clear in the way that this is written he wants people like you and me to be reading this and in a way where he's wants you to say this is he wants you to derive from this this is bs yeah he wants he you to call bs he's using language right. that's right. very casual about this is kind of nonsense in fact, folks. there was a note that i sent you yesterday as i read through because i assigned todd with reading this and and giving us a, as a as a team here on the show a breakdown and i'm trying to find the email where i responded back to you um and it's the one about where, the flu. Yeah, what do right? you yeah. say? R- remind me that that to me is what really stuck out to me um, about the flu. And I can't find that email that I sent you yesterday. You guys remember what it was I said? Uh, yeah, that? I did. Re- uh, you said I did read through it, and it's good. Particularly like the part he said about the best way to stop this was via transmission of the flu. Yes. Yeah. Um. So we're going to get into that here in just a few yeah. minutes. All right. But before we do that, I have to share this with you folks immediately. So we're going to do it right now. As we are talking here, Sean Davis over at The Federalist, who was just on this show, I think, last week. And Sean lives, I know that because I was just down there where he lives. He lives in Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. Okay. And where their city has been shut down, they had like one case at a hospital and they shut the city of Nashville down. Several of you have sent me this COVID Act Now, COVID Action website in the last week. Hey, Steve, this is a good place to go to, you know, keep up with, 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 with what's going on and, and get the latest information. I mean, I've had this emailed to me numerous times. Sean has gone back and looked at what COVID Act Now's website was predicting was going to happen here in the United States. I want to share this with you, okay? COVID Act Now predicted that in Tennessee, by March 19th, there would be 190 hospitalizations. Now, here's the thing you need to know about Nashville. It's like, per capita, the largest growing city in America right now. More people per capita are moving to Nashville than any city in America. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. So this is a pretty transient population. Like, if you follow football recruiting, one of the reasons you're seeing some top recruits in Nashville... Look at going out of state. People are like, why wouldn't you go to Tennessee? Because a lot of people that aren't from Tennessee are moving in. So they don't have like the local flavor for the local school. I mean, they're, they, they are from other parts of the country. All right. So more people per capita are moving to the Nashville area than any city in America right now. So with that transient population, COVID Act Now predicted on March 19th, there would be 190 hospitalizations in Tennessee. There were actually 15. 
COVID Act now claimed 5,400 New Yorkers would have been hospitalized by March 19th. The real number? Slightly less than 800. They claimed nearly 13,000 hospitalizations by March 23rd. The actual number? Right around 2,500. Why are we going by hospitalizations with these numbers? Why? Because what's the reason we had to level the cliff, or we had to flatten the we had to flatten the curve? I'm sorry. What's the reason we had to flatten the curve? Because we were over we were to concerned about the overwhelming the system. That's why we had to do. That was the impetus for all of this. Okay. They they said the sickness was going to come no matter what one way or the other. We yep. just had to time it right. That's right. That was the argument. COVID Act now predicted that Georgia would have 688 hospitalizations hospitalizations by March 23rd. The state only has 800 confirmed cases total. In Florida, again, which has the second largest elderly population in America, is there a more transient population in America than Florida? No. When you look at the tourist attraction, spring break just went on, the snowbird factor, right? There may not be a, I mean, Florida is like three separate cultures, man. You've got like the northern area, which is essentially Alabama with right. better weather. Okay. You've got the middle part, which is kind of just, you know, uh, the touristy part of the state. And then you've got the southern uh, part of the state, which the old saying, the farther north you go. Uh, or the farther south you go in Florida, the farther north you get, right? Which is the very left-wing part of the state where they had all the hanging chads back in 2000. I mean, it's, it's, it's three separate countries almost uh, in one state. And it has a massive elderly population. You heard earlier the clip that Aaron played. The governor said he's got 20 counties that don't even have a reported case yet in Florida. In Florida, COVID Act now predicted over 400 hospitalizations as of March 19th, according to the governor. The number right now is 90. COVID Act, COVID Act now predicted that 127 people would be hospitalized in Oklahoma by March 23rd. The state only has 81 confirmed cases. COVID Act now said Virginia was supposed to have hospitalized 342 Wuhan virus sufferers by March 23rd. As of an hour ago, in Virginia, there were 290 confirmed cases in the entire state, of which 45 were hospitalized. Are you starting to see, as Sean asks, are you starting to see a pattern here? At least a reason to ask questions. At the Based very least. Nothing yep. on nothing other than data. Reason and science, people. That's what we're supposed to do, right? Hey man, I miss my March Madness. I'm not I'm not on here demanding the NCAA bring this. Make it happen. Right. This is it's fake news. Make give me my March Madness back. I'm not telling that Zoe, Zoe's dying without her grand her grandmama. I mean, I mean, all the kids love Grandma Mary, but Zoe particularly is very tight with Grandma Mary. Okay? Zoe's dying without going to Grandma Mary's house at least twice this week. Every week she does this. I'm not sending her over there. I'm not demanding, hey, let's hold a massive party and invite all of our friends. Okay? We're actually the ones willing to wait, willing to treat the, the disease responsibly. We're just not willing to take a worse virus and call that the cure. We're not here to burn the village to save it. Okay. At the very least, this begs asking a lot of questions. A lot of them. The two places where there have been probably more testing per capita than anywhere in the world right now. Well, let me, that's going too far. Anywhere in the West. Is that fair? Let's do that. Because um, you have to believe Japan, South Korea, 
and even China, as much as we don't trust them, they need, they at least need some workers. Like China couldn't afford to lose 200 million people to a virus, even with a billion people that would hurt their economy, right? So they're at least doing some testing of that to have some handle on the right. people they don't care about. At the very least, we'll say in the West, the two places where there's been more testing done per capita in the West probably than anywhere else is probably New York, New York State, where yesterday the governor said 25% of all tests in America for coronavirus had been done in New York. 25% of all of them, okay? Yesterday, when we went to bed last night, 50% of every coronavirus confirmation in America was from New York State. And yet, at the time we went on the air, the mortality rate from coronavirus was 0.72% in New York State. Translation, the more they test, what happens? the lower the death rate gets, the less lethal it is. That's why I was so mad at Fox last, a week ago Saturday, when they're running that lower third. 2,200 cases, 50 deaths. There's no context. We don't know how many people have been tested. We don't know what their pre-existing conditions are. That, that's how you cause a panic. We don't know the answers to these exactly. questions. All right? Now, Germany, which has led the world probably, or at least the Western world in testing. They're testing everybody. Asymptomatic, mild symptoms, anybody can get their hands on their testing. All right? Their current death rate from coronavirus is 0.3% of the infected. In our own state yesterday, our governor announced they've doubled the amount of coronavirus tests they have done from a week ago. We went from about 6.5% of the people testing positive to about 3.5%. That's a massive reduction. That's a massive reduction. Can we quote... Um, a Nobel laureate. Are we allowed to cite him? Or does, does he also, did he win his Nobel prize for hatred of the elderly? Is that, and, and, and a grandpap. Is that what he was? Because um, he's in the Jerusalem post yesterday saying, I, I bet you Israel doesn't have, what was he, what did he say? I think three deaths more than or 10 from coronavirus when it's all said and done. It's not going to be that lethal. It's a vicious virus. It's serious but it's not particularly lethal. And we're seeing that here. And we're seeing it in other places the more that we test. What about Spain? What about Italy? People are still asking me that, even though we debunked the Italy thing. You know, these countries were all bankrupt, folks. All of them. Why did Britain want out of the, East, want out of the EU? Because there were only two countries in the entire EU that were solvent, Germany and England. And so they were footing the bill for everybody else. We're, we're not Spain. Spain surrendered to the Moors and then it surrendered to the Nazis. We saved Spain. There wouldn't be an España, wouldn't be a Spain without this one, without this country. This is freaking America. God has shed his grace on thee. We're the reason Spain exists, otherwise it wouldn't. We're the reason Italy exists. When its smart set was in the streets cheering Mussolini just a generation ago. We're the ones that, that risked thousands of our best and brightest to get the fascist and defeat him in that country. We did that. Italians didn't do it. We did. Wouldn't be Italians. If it weren't for us, there wouldn't be French. 
The truth. Well, Steve, what about Boris? Boris Johnson's over there surrendering now. <sighs> Wouldn't be any British either. We're not like these other nations. And what's one of the things killing us as a people is there's a mass desire amongst the smart set in the elites to make us like them. It's the fact that we are not like these other, we're sinful people like they are. We need a savior too. But nationally, we're not like them. We're just not. And we have proven that historically over and over and over again. And we've done it in ways that have saved all of those nations and made them possible to exist. They, none of them would exist without us. And, and what is it? What, it's that exceptionalism that gave us opportunities to be secular mosaic deliverers for nations like that. So no, I'm, I'm not going to be convinced by models happening in countries that long ago bankrupted themselves. No, I'm not. Because they'd all be saying Zeke Heil and begging Tojo's grandchildren for mercy if it wasn't for us. So you read Dr. Ioannidis's white paper yesterday, right? Yes. You, you sent some talking points over to Aaron that we want to discuss for the rest of Fake News or Not to share with the audience. So you want to share those with us, Aaron? Yeah, we'll uh, get started here. Uh, just in the uh, kind of introductory um, footnotes of this, uh, the evolving coronavirus disease, and this is from John Ioannidis, an epidemiologist, as you said, at Stanford. He says in this peer-reviewed uh, paper called The Harms of Exaggerated Information and Non-Evidence-Based Measures, the evolving coronavirus disease 2019 pandemic is certainly cause for concern. Proper communication and optimal decision-making is an ongoing challenge as data evolve. The challenge is compounded, however, by exaggerated information. This can lead to inappropriate actions. It's important to differentiate promptly the true epidemic from an epidemic of false claims and potentially harmful actions. Problems with early estimates and responses to the COVID-19 epidemic are as follows. We'll get, get to this one first and then your guys' thoughts. A highly flawed, non-peer-reviewed reprint or preprint claiming similarity with the HIV-1 drew tremendous attention. It was withdrawn, but conspiracy theories about the new virus became entrenched. Even major peer-reviewed journals have already published wrong sensationalist items. Sensationalism affects even top scientific venues. Moreover, peer review may malfunction when there is little evidence and strong opinions. Opinion-based peer review may even solidify a literature of spurious statements. That's a very verbose, vocabulary, impressive way of saying everybody is sitting around and smelling their own farts. Yes. Yep. That's what that is. Convinced that they do not stink. They're literally just lifting up cheeks, squeezing them off, looking at each other and say, Chardonnay. That's what he's, that's what he's saying. And when he talks about sensationalism, now he can't say this probably, and he may not even believe this. I don't know who, what Dr. Ioannidis' beliefs are. In fact, when you showed me his picture and he looked every bit the egghead, yep. that, that, that gave me comfort, okay? 
You know why? Because chances are he's in he's inside their circle. He's it's it's unlikely. Maybe I'll prove be proven to be wrong. I, I would be mildly surprised if he turned out to be one of us. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, sure. like I don't I don't think he's like it doesn't strike me as the type demanding that they have an intelligent design uh, portion of the origin of li- the biology department at Stanford University it doesn't strike me as that. Okay, could be wrong. You know, I've been wrong before, but sensationalistic is what is conf- is worldview confirmation bias. What exactly what we've been telling you, and I'm I was on Jesse. Uh, was it? No, it was Todd Starnes' show. I said this yesterday. Um, and Liberty University, where my wife is also a grad student, is like his title sponsor. And the analogy I gave to Todd is, if Liberty University commissioned a, a, a you know, a, a convocation at, on campus, they wanted a, a, a debate about a serious, theolo- a matter of great theological controversy within the Christian church. But all they did was book theologians that had one particular viewpoint. What is the audience in attendance? What's the only thing they're going to hear as a matter of fact? That viewpoint, as a matter of fact, it's called confirmation bias. That's what I think he's talking about there. Yeah, well, and he's flat out saying, people I, I remember at the register, they, they like to try to bludgeon you all the time with peer review, peer review, peer review. He's telling you that there is no secret sauce to the peer review process it is not magical it is not a guarantee of objectivity he's Mm -hmm. telling you quite the opposite if you get the contagion that is when basically he's telling you progressivism is cancer in a manner of speaking like if that gets in the water system watch out the smart people you think the mob of just your rabble can be diabolical you you create a mob out of us smart people watch out I'm just going to keep reading here from Iodinus, and then you guys can interrupt when you would like to comment. Okay. He goes on to say, early estimates of the projected proportion of global population that will be infected seem markedly exaggerated. We have seen that. Yep. Yep. Early estimates of case fatality rate may be markedly exaggerated. The most widely quoted CFR has been 3.4%, reported by the World Health Organization, dividing the number of deaths by documented cases in early March. Uh, this ignores undetected infections and the strong age dependence of CFR. Uh, observed crude CFR in South Korea and Germany, the countries with the most extensive testing, is 0.9% and 0.2% respectively as of March 14th. The proportion of undetected infections is unknown, but probably varies across countries and may be very large overall. Can we pause right there for yeah. a second? I think I think this cannot be overstated. And it validates everything we've yep. been saying for Daniel weeks. Horowitz has a great article out today at Conservative Review asking the when did this start? If you don't know when it started, see that's why they can't tell you what a win looks like. Because that when they can't tell you what a win looks like, that's an admission that they don't know when the battle, when the game started. Not knowing when it started, the first thing, the first two things you do. You lock down all the borders to not let any more of this potentially get in and all over the place. You end all foreign travel all over the place. And then your first mission objective, when did this begin so we can we can begin to track the flow of infection? That's the first mission objective. That's 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 recon you do in any conflict in any war. If I don't know who the enemy is, what I'm fighting myself more than the actual opponent. 
That's what we that's what we did. We we did not find out who the enemy is. We started fighting ourselves and borrowing a lot of sheltering techniques from the enemy who gave us the virus in the first place, China. We follow a lot of their sheltering guidelines. Okay? So that key point, when did this start? When this is over, I will be willing to wager a substantial amount of money, at least substantial to me, that we're going to find some significant number of RSV and pneumonia cases in, in, in this country in January and February were actually are now suspected to have been COVID-19 all along. Yes. Yep. Uh, and I mentioned CFR a couple of times. That's case fatality rate, mortality rate that yeah, right. uh, you mentioned. That's a nice academic way of seeing how many people died. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, reported epidemic curves are largely affected by the change in availability of test kits and the willingness to test for the virus over time. Of the multiple measures adopted, few have strong evidence and many may have obvious harms. Evidence is lacking for the most aggressive lockdown measures. A systematic review on measures to prevent the spread of respiratory viruses found insufficient evidence for entry port screening and social distancing in reducing epidemic spread. Plain hygienic measures, Ioannidis says, have the strongest evidence. Can Frequ- I pause right there? Yes. Here's why that's key. When this is over, when, when, if, 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 if Trump is, 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 is our Churchill and Samson here and puts his foot down and says it's time to get back this little by little to normalcy, they're going to claim that the reason they're going to they're going to change the narrative. Well, the reason you can do that is because we did all these draconian social distancing things and set the precedent that any time in the future, there is some kind of cataclysm that they can they can essentially isolate us whenever they want. That's a key data point. Don't let him get away with it. There is no evidence, he says, that shows this. This is working. Instead, just your basic sanitation, like, you know, you know what I do? Every church I've ever gone to during cold and flu season, we do the greeting. I don't shake hands, man. Cold flu season, fist bump. Why do I do that? Because I don't want to get the what? Flu. The flu. But I still have to live my life, don't I? Yeah. I don't want to get the flu. Still have to live my life. Okay? So, what? So because that's going to be the narrative when this is done. See, we saved you by canceling everything, your way of life, and, and quarantining you so that they can then in the future, that's their default. Every time something bad is going to happen, we can't control. Uh, we got to quarantine because it's just like it worked before. Do not let that precedent, unless it's if, if, if there's unless it's valid, but don't let it be assumed that it is. Uh, move going on, uh, he says. Uh, frequent hand washing and staying at home and avoiding contacts when sick are probably very useful. Their routine endorsement may save many lives. Most lives saved may actually be due to reduced transmission of influenza rather than the coronavirus. Do you want to comment on that? I think that's that to me is astounding because it confirms the whole premise of, of what I wrote for the blaze yesterday. Yes. Comparing the mortality and lethalness of, of, of influenza yes. to coronavirus. And sick in the last flu season, 65 million people had it. And by the way, you know why I did that? Credit to you folks. Several of you in the audience emailed me, Facebooked me, messaged me on Twitter. Would you please put your researching acumen to work to help us to make sense of this? You know, it, it, what's this look like? I, so that's why I did it. That's why I spent the weekend doing it with a, a couple of other people here at The Blaze. You folks in the audience prompted us to do that. So thank you. Okay. He's confirming that. All right. Because at best, at best right now, we don't have enough information 
to say that coronavirus is as or more lethal than the than the seasonal flu at best at worst it's not anywhere close uh moving on most evidence on protective measures like the social distancing and things like that comes from non-randomized studies prone to bias See Imperial College and its climate alarmism. That was and a we nice want to get saying, we want to get yeah. rid of fossil fuels. And so let's just get everybody out of their cars and planes now while we can freak them and scare them into doing so. That's what that means. Dr. Ioannidis goes on to say panic shopping of masks and protective gear and excess hospital admissions may be highly detrimental to health systems without offering any com- uh, c- containment benefit. Given the uncertainties, one may opt for an abundant caution and implement the most severe containment measures. This reasoning ignores possible harms impulsive actions can indeed cause major harm one clear example is the panic shopping which depleted supplies of face masks escalation of prices and a shortage from medical personnel masks gloves and gowns are clearly needed for medical personnel their lack poses health care workers lives at risk can i make a couple of com- yeah, well, comments well you're married to a healthcare worker so I'll, by all means i'll make a couple of comments on this when we come back if that's all right because yeah. we're running out of time all right We'll finish this conversation up, and then I want to have a Pop Culture Tuesday conversation about sports cancellations and the broader issue far beyond whether you just need something to occupy your time or you want your favorite ball team back. All right? We're going to get to those things and more when we wrap it up here today in our final segment coming up next here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Losing your hair sucks, right? But you know what doesn't suck? Keeping your hair without ever leaving your couch. If you're losing your hair, you got to know about Keeps because they offer the generic versions of the only two FDA-accepted and approved hair loss products. That's the real deal, but the generic versions. So you're going to save a fortune at the same time. All you've got to do with Keeps is simple. Just answer a few online questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a doctor will review everything and then recommend the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for you Then it is shipped discreetly to your door. So what are you waiting for? Or you're probably thinking, does it work? It works so well that about two-thirds of men even experience hair regrowth at the same time. All right, so here's all you need to do. Go to keeps.com slash grow. Keeps.com slash grow. Keeps.com slash grow. And get your first hair loss treatment for half off. 50% off your first one at keeps.com slash grow. As we finish going through some of the uh, highlights from Dr. John Ioannidis, the epidemiologist at Stanford, his pure peer-reviewed study of our national panic on COVID-19, he was getting into the, how the panic has been det- detrimental to healthcare workers. Well, you happen to be married to one of them right there on the yep. front lines as a nurse at a hospital. You have some yeah. thoughts on that one. So, yeah, that he was talking about uh, the panic buying, the unnecessary admissions into p- hospitals, and why this is a big deal is that anybody... And there, anybody who has symptoms resembling this virus uh, that goes to an emergency room, what do they have to do? They have to be triaged regardless of whether or not they have the actual virus. So that's, I think, I, I, I assume that's what he's talking about by unnecessary admissions. Mm-hmm. And then the panic buying as well. Uh, the hospital that my wife works at is is already basically out of, out of face masks um, or out of masks, I should say. 
and uh, are already having to reuse things like that as well. So it's you know this this panic inducement uh, by what uh, Ionitis will be talking about next that has that has everything to do with some of the shortfalls that the, that the hospitals are. And this is why facing. everybody's coming out so hard against Lieutenant Governor uh, Dan Patrick because they know that he's offering the antidote to the craziness. They, we've made people crazy so far. He's saying, could we try courage? Just a little bit. That's all he was asking. And the, the, the left realizes they've got to kill that and nip that in the bud because they don't want to go down that road. Yep. And a, a couple more points. We'll fast forward ahead to kind of the uh, the end of uh, the surmisal of, of this paper that uh, Dr. Ioannidis wrote for, at uh, Stanford. He says different coronaviruses actually infect millions of people every year, and they are common, especially in the elderly, in hospitalized patients with respiratory illness in the winter. Uh, serological analysis of COVID-229E and OC43 in four adult populations under surveillance for acute respiratory illness during the winters of 1999 through 2003. Healthy young adults, healthy elderly adults, high-risk adults with underlying uh, cardiopulmonary disease in a hospitalized group showed annual infection rates ranging from 2.8 to 26% in prospective cohorts and a prevalence of 3.3 to 11.1% in the hospitalized cohort. He goes on to say case fatality of 8% has been described in outbreaks of these uh, uh, common viruses in nursing home elderly, leaving the well-known and highly lethal SARS and MERS coronaviruses aside. Other coronaviruses probably have infected millions of people and have killed thousands. However, it is only this year that every single case and every single death gets red alert broadcasting in the news. This is from Dr. John Ioannidis. He's an epidemiologist at Stanford. And that's because of what I said at the top of the show. This is a cultural Pearl Harbor. Your way of life is under an invasion. Donald Trump took an oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of these United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. Every spirit of the age, leftist, pagan, hysteria, uh, con, collusion, everything, everything that we have witnessed, every counterculture, everything that has been thrown at us in the last generation, like parasites, have glommed onto this virus, seeing it as their weapon of mass destruction to deliver the final kill shot of Americana. And that's why this is getting red alert status that's why and it is now a time to rise up as previous generations did when they were faced with this level of existential peril it is time for us to rise up you you call the white house i don't even know if the switchboard is open you call them especially those of us that didn't vote for this guy you call them today you guys are asking me who do i contact where I let my voice be heard you need, you need to, that, 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 we better hear reports the White House switchboard they had to shut it down emails they can't answer them all we got your back Mr. President because you got ours we got your back he needs to hear from you he's out there again right now on Fox while we've been doing this show still carrying the water saying hey I, I, I hope to have this country up open raring to go by Easter Certain resurrection metaphor there. A little bit. 
boy, now, if you thought the hysteria after him just opening the door to sanity was bad yesterday, now that he's put a date on it, oh, 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 oh. The amount of anonymous sources that will be speaking to the New York Times and Washington Post and CNN are, will be legion, and I'm using that definition on purpose. So you let him hear from you. You let your friends and neighbors, you let, them, you let them know. You pepper your Facebook pages, all your social media. You let them know. Amen. That in this country, if we can beat Tojo and Hitler, fight them off practically alone at the exact same time and end their tyranny. We can protect our elderly and not destroy our way of life at the exact same time. We can. We can. He's calling you. Answer the call. Answer the call. Now I want to get to Pop Culture Tuesday before we get out of here. Because I, I think the decision, and this is where we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And one of the dominant entities in our pop culture, of course, is the sporting world. And I, we've talked all the time on this show in, in better times, you know, I'm a huge sports fan. All three of us are to some extent. Um, I thought the decision that was made yesterday to postpone the Olympics is actually a wise, prudent decision. I don't know what you guys think. Maybe you'll disagree. Here's why I think it was a wise, prudent decision. We have a lot of different countries with a lot of different health ecosystems. For the same reason you would shut your border at a time like this and keep them closed because you really can't trust what's coming across the border. Like, I think that border with Mexico is going to have to stay shut for a lot longer than people imagine. Do you trust how the governments of Guatemala, Honduras, do you trust how they take care of, of, of their people? I, I don't. Well, Mexico is the port by which all those countries come to us through. So now we're going to amass all these people and we're going to do it on the doorstep of where the virus came from. I, I, and then there's, then there's the, these athletes have had a lot of their training and stuff has been taken away from them for the last few months at the exact same time. So there's that aspect to it too. I, I just think that's a, that's a prudent decision. People are used to not getting that every year. They're used to getting it in, in time periods of, you know, a one year delay for an event that only comes around four years anyway. Plenty of time to reschedule flights, hotels, everything else. I, I think given the, the cauldron of healthcare systems that would amass in Tokyo and it come July, I think is when that was going to be, or maybe it was August. Late July, early August. Okay, thank you. I, I just think that's that's a prudent decision uh, in my view any thoughts on that very quickly well i would add that the, the, it's if it was just everybody right now knew who they were going to knew who the olympians were going to be it would be premature at this point uh, everything you said was standing let a, a little time play out but all the olympic trials and most of the events need to happen that's the crucial part and that relates to the training you're saying you got you got it's not the olympics are in july but uh, late july but before that you month at least before that, if not more, you're going to be competing in your sport to see if you get to go to the Olympics. And that still that's right. yeah. involves the training. So yeah. that that is the, what's really that's paralyzed. Another, I, that whole extra layer of, of competition, competitive bureaucracy, I hadn't even thought about that aspect of it. Yeah, I, I, so I, I just think, to me, that's a very prudent decision. Any dire disagreements with that? 
Okay. It's prudent. So. It is. It is heartbreaking. Even more so than football season, take yourself out of a vacuum of hand. That, yeah, you're you're competing all four years. If you're a track athlete, you're going to worlds and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But this is the Super Bowl, right? And it comes every four years. Yeah, you, every NFL season is the same. Yeah, this is to yep. lose that, even if it's pushed back a year. It's it's really tough to swallow. Yeah, say say you've got uh, say say you've got a, a really good quarterback for your favorite college football team, and uh, you know uh, just kind of a, a transcendent quarterback. You've got a window to where you can do something of maybe two three years at the most. You've got a window there of a few seasons in which to to do something really special with that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Todd's point, for some of these athletes, they got one window, one shot. If that's what their goal is in their life, so it is. From that vantage point, of course, it is. It's tragic. By the way, Dr. Burks just said on Fox News yesterday, she said the virus has been here for weeks. Yeah. She just said on Fox News, according to Daniel Horowitz, who's following this, that town hall that the president's doing, she just said that the reason places like New York got slammed with this post Christmas travel from Chinese college students. Where, Where was that surmised? My blaze piece on this show for several days and days and days. Folks, I, I didn't make it out of community college. Well, I did, actually, barely. But I flunked out of real college because I played Super Tech Mobile for an entire semester. All right, I'm not 200 IQ guy. I'm just a guy who fears God, loves the truth, and is willing to ask questions. And now you can see why your, why your founders believed. You know what your founders believed? Humans are smart. People are dumb. That's why they didn't give you a democracy of mob rule. They didn't trust the passions of the people, but they trusted the power of the individual made in God's image. That's why it's one man, one vote. All right. And they, they understood that most of what goes on in the world, you may not be able to understand why without certain area of expertise, but most of it, you could at least adequately question with the intellect that God gave you. You could at least question it to get those answers. Anybody born an architect? Anybody born a mechanical engineer? Anybody born a surgeon? They all had to be what? Trained. Trained. They have more gifts than you and I have in some of those areas, but they still had to be trained. Like I said to my son yesterday, nobody taught Michael Jordan how to jump from the free throw line to the rim of a, of a basketball hoop. He just was given that. But if he didn't train himself and he wasn't trained by others on how to shoot and, and, and work the rules of the sport to his advantage, he'd just be a really good leaper, not Michael Jordan. You can ask these questions. Do not be afraid. We're getting some answers to them now. And the White House is giving them to us. And to some extent, Governor Cuomo in New York is as well. Why? Because he still has his own ideology, but he is being faced with the consequences of the real world at the exact same time. And right now isn't really given the benefit of governing from his wish casting. He has to deal with the enemy right on his doorstep in his face, which is causing him to have some very common sense answers. So let me give you some more common sense here. What about canceling the football season? That's being discussed by some people right now who just need clicks, frankly. One of the things that doesn't get discussed at all about this, I brought it up at the top of the show, what happens if you have a Great Depression? One of the largest industries in our country, actually, is football. Pardon me. Next to Hollywood, it is the most lucrative pop culture endeavor in America. Whole media outlets survive solely on on the basis of the popularity of football. 
So take every engineer, every, cancel the season, every engineer, every producer, every, um, pretty, um, I will tell you, most of America's sports radio stations, gone. All those jobs and every market will be gone. Football also pays for the scholarships for every other sport. So no football, guess what we're not going to have scholarships for in the spring? Your daughter's being recruited to play soccer at some pretty uh, elite universities competitively right now. And track, Th yeah. those, scho those scholarships are gone because football subsidizes them all. They're gone. They can't. As great as your daughter is at those sports, the revenue the universe, any university would make off of her cannot justify giving her a free education. So football subsidizes all of that. That's undeniably so, and I'm grateful for football. No question. To football because of it. TV networks. What's the what's the what's the most commercially successful watched television event in America every year? What is it? You can make an argument that that football is what keep, it's what keeping uh, is what's keeping broadcast television afloat. Yeah, absolutely. All those jobs in peril, gone, and not just the football. How about the single mom ad buyer? For all these agencies that 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 pay five million dollars for sixty seconds on uh, on on uh, you know during these games, their their jobs are gone, gone, which means their health care is gone. You don't think there's any cost to that at all? And then maybe, let me make it very personal for you. You know, many of these players that get scholarships couldn't get into these universities just on the merit of their educational prowess. They come from parts of the country we don't even want to contemplate what goes on in these neighborhoods. They play Dodge the Crack Dealer. Okay, that's one of the first games they learn in their neighborhood. And now they find themselves at elite institutions like USC, Notre Dame, Michigan. These are these are institutions that have world-renowned academic, world-renowned academic prowess. Stanford, they wouldn't have a chance to get in. This will change their lives. But they really are there because they play football. Take football away, maybe they decide, I don't need to go to class, I slough off. I go back home, I end up with the wrong crowd. Get a girl pregnant, maybe a few, they all have abortions. Now I'm involved with the kinds of nefarious elements that populate my neighborhood and do bad things to other people. Have you contemplated the full... See, this is the stuff that, that keeps a civilized order. There's more going on here than your husband just, you know wants to sit in his lazy boy all Sunday and watch the NFL. A lot more going on. All those stadium workers, all their families, out of jobs, gone. All the vendors that produce all the goods sold at those concessions, out of jobs, gone. And then all the administrative support for all of those things, the marketing departments, all of that, gone, gone, gone. That's just one sport, one industry. The NFL is, 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 is networks, several networks pay it in the billions every year to broadcast it. Several networks pay hundreds of millions of dollars to every major, well, except for the Pac-10 or Pac-12, every other major network, every other major conference, hundreds of millions of dollars to broadcast their games. The economic impact of losing all of that would be a great depression worthy by itself. And that's just one industry. So there's more going on here than I just like watching my favorite team on a Saturday. We're going to stick around and do the overtime. For the rest of you, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.